Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, bad fo- Oh. I forgot I was on the internet for a minute. You just got called out. That's what she said. You will get made in the meat pies. Yes, come on! Come on. It's pretty absurd. Bad Philosophy, episode 32, recorded on May 11th, 2009. We love the future. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy. Episode 32 coming at you over Skype today. We are all in different places in the world. Uh, we've got three people on the show today, and we're all coming in from uh, various corners of the great state of Texas. Um, first up, Kevin Saunders. You thought you were rid of him, but he's back. Wahaha. Also coming at you from Austin, Matt Lugler. That's right. You, you know what we should do? We need a poll on the website to see what city's the best out of the ones we're in. Hmm. Well, let's see. It'd be either Lubbock, Grapevine, or Austin. And uh, Doesn't Matt kind of live in Round Rock, though? Yeah, he Matt, does. It's not Matt's, technically yeah, Austin. Yeah, but Stephen kind of lives in Greenville, so... Greenville? Georgetown, you mean? Georgetown, whatever. Georgetown, G-Town. Yeah. Um, also third, we've got <laughs> Jed Cummins on the show. Hello. He had some uh, pre-show shenanigans with his computer. Actually had to uh, rebuild his desktop in order to come at us on Skype. So, uh, you know, big kudos to him for being the mechanical whiz that he is. <laughs> That's how faithful I am to the show. Exactly. Numero sure. uno fanboy right there, man. That's dedication. Indeed. How, how did the last episode go? I'm working on it. <laughs> okay. Are you, are you trying to fix it or are you just trying to get through it? I'm trying to fix it. Oh, wow. I would better. be really impressed faster. if you were able to fix it. I would be super glad if you were able to fix it. It would make me happy. Yeah, we should mention uh, the lost episode, uh, episode seven, is um, it's just that the audio on it is really, really freaking bad. Wait, so, there's audio uh, on it? Yeah, there, there's audio <laughs> in there somewhere. We actually did record it, believe it or not. But uh, Jed has taken it <laughs> upon himself. There is signal somewhere in the noise. <laughs> yeah, Jed has taken it upon himself to find that signal and bring it to the surface, as it were. But uh, we'll, we'll yeah. see what he comes up with. We should also mention right here at the beginning, before I forget about it, that the Bad Philosophy soundboard is now available. You can go to www.badphilosophy.com slash podcast slash soundboard with a lowercase s. And you can see a collection of clips there that we have pulled from the various episodes of the show. Uh, 90% of them are Kevin. 90 Okay, over half, over half of them are Kevin's. Because, you know, I mean, 60. he's got the best voice. And he says the darndest things. <laughs> so if you would like to, uh, if you would like to assemble a, a remix track, um, you might be able to beat Ice Soldier, a.k.a. Brian, uh, at doing so. And, uh, you know, it might be a cool little creative project. We would get a kick out of it, too. I would think that would be awesome. Yeah, it'd be really freaking awesome. So uh, contrary to what the uh, current topic is in our Skype chat, which is French fries, we will not actually be talking actually, about... French fires. Oh, oh, sorry. Yes, I just noticed that one. French fires. We will not actually be talking about that today. We will be talking about virtual reality because mm. it's the future, but we're still seeing the world through eyes. Um, so, yeah, virtual reality, I don't know if, if y'all remember, but, like, back in the 90s, virtual reality was huge. It was going to be the next big thing. It was, like, you know, new rides at Disney World had VR. Uh, people were selling, like, you know, virtual reality goggles you could get for the home. Uh, and then it just kind of fizzled out. Like You uh, forgot the most important one. What's that? The Virtual Boy from Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Did any of y'all have those? I did. I did. Wow. In the uh, Mario Tennis. For for anyone who's not really familiar, like I never I never had a Virtual Boy. What was the Virtual Boy? It was essentially a like a little kind of a goggle thing. It was a set of goggles you put on your desk. Like it was like VR goggles you didn't wear, but you instead put your head into. So you had to play like hunched over something at all times. <laughs> I'm gonna have to pull this up on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's it was pretty epic. But they had some they had tennis for it, and then they had this sort of a Tie Fighter type game hmm. that was a lot of fun. They had a Wario was, World game actually. Because that I think that was actually the first Wario. Possibly, um, I remember. Yeah, Virtual Boy Wario Land. 
Wow, so this thing is an abomination. <laughs> it, it was pretty bad. At the time, it was epic. It's horrible for your back. Mm-hmm. I can see some pictures of people just... I mean, you're literally... It's like leaning toward a computer screen, but holding that position yeah. <laughs> permanently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was, it, uh, was it at least 3D? Games it looks like it is. It is. It was 3D. Okay. But it was, it was mm-hmm. as 3D as any 3D visual thing ever becomes, mm-hmm. like 3D movies or stuff, because it had a red-blue, like one eye was one color, one eye was the other color, and so yeah. your brain sees it different. And that was pretty spiffy. Like, I mean, it did seem 3D, but it wasn't a lot of fun. I, I'm, <laughs> if I'm counting this correctly on the, the Wikipedia page, there were 14 games released in the U.S. Oh, man. Of which I had two. I had Mario Tennis and Virtual Boy, Wario Land. That's, uh, this, yeah, this seems like a pretty epic fail, actually. It was impressive. It wasn't it was, good, but it was impressive. Hmm. Well, and, and I just remember, like, the virtual reality stuff was supposed to be the direction that everything was headed. Like, we were, we were going to have, you know, virtual museum tours via the internet, and you would have your, you know, kind of heads-up display, and... You know, it would virtual reality was going to be the standard, um, and yet it just kind of died. <laughs> and uh, I, I mean, I'm just curious. Like, what do you what do you all think happened to the the virtual reality movement? Because uh, did it, was it just did people not enjoy the experience, or was it ahead of its time, or what? I think the problem was that it was. I mean, even though okay, you encase your head in this helmet, and you have magic gloves that you can wiggle around in front of you, it's still primarily run by sight and sound. Yeah. And the the idea is you look when you look at a different thing in the virtual reality helmet, you're not looking at a different thing in a room, you're looking at another thing on a screen, and your brain knows this. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, sure, okay, you put the speakers overhead, and I mean, there's some pretty cool things that you can do with um, with stereo sound. Uh, if you ever look up the vi- the video on YouTube, it's like virtual haircut. Mm-hmm. Like it shows you how 3D sound can actually do some pretty impressive. Virtual barber shop is what it's virtual called. Virtual barber shop. Yeah. Um, if you're if you have like if you're wearing headsets, you put it on. It sounds like you are in a barber shop and there's a guy talking to you, and it seriously sounds like there's dudes around you. Huh. It's really impressive. I really like it. But I mean, so that shows that. You, your brain can be tricked, but I think your ears can be tricked a lot easier than your eyes can. Oh, I see. They call it holophonics. Yeah. Sure. Which is... It's basically recorded with two microphones and then played back through stereo channels at the same positions. Sure. Which, you know, I mean, stereo is cool enough as it is. Like, that... The, when they made the leap from mono to stereo, it was a, an extra dimension of immersion. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, just being able to have that, that spatial relation preserved uh, and encoded was was fantastic but it seems like it's been very hard for them to do that with video for them to make that leap from uh, a 2d screen to a three-dimensional environment um, mm. and an immersive one at that like a lot of the cool virtual reality stuff was um, it was okay but I, I think the graphics available in the 90s were just not up to par to really create a, a an immersive world um, I mean, I remember one of the first things they had on the uh, on for VR headsets was Dark Forces, a very simple first-person shooter that came out in like 1994. Um, Star Wars game, uh, pretty good, but it was about Doom level graphics, and you know you could put that on your head, but would your mind really believe that you were actually in this environment? I mean, it just it I don't doesn't think seem, so. Yeah, it doesn't seem well. With virtual reality, are you supposed to believe that you're there, or is it more like, like currently, a lot of virtual reality is based, you know, on therapy, like to get people used to a situation so that it's less awkward in a, in a real life environment. Hmm. You know, not that they have to believe at the moment that they're in it, but just so they recognize the experience when it actually happens, so they're not shocked by it. Yeah, I guess I should clarify. Like, it hasn't gone away completely. Uh, the military, I've I've seen some documentaries of of the military virtual reality setups that. Uh, they have, for instance, very large, like room-sized simulators of uh, for either flight systems, or they have like a, a Humvee with a mounted turret, and you have like you're surrounded by projectors, and 
you know, it's kind of, it's meant to simulate these combat situations, but even in those experiences, the the graphics levels are, you know, such that you, you know the whole time that you're in a virtual world. And so I kind of, I question the, just how useful um, those sort of sub-reality virtual systems are, because you, you're not fooled. Well, let me ask you this, like, I, I don't know how true this is, but... Um... Do any of y'all know, like, the uh, September 11th attacks? Like, I was hearing that everyone was saying that the terrorists had been trained through, like, flight simulator programs. Well, all they, pilots are. They... I mean, come on. Right. Like, that's I mean... that's what you do. You, like, you can't just give someone a commercial aircraft to train them. That's that's not really viable. So they have to right. make flight so, simulators very accurate. Well, they don't have to believe, like, when they're flying that they're actually flying. But then once they actually hit a real-life situation, they're at least familiar enough with it to know what to do. And that's what they're going for. The, the visual reaction doesn't have to be accurate. However, the, um, the responses have to be accurate. If you're going from a virtual reality to a quote-unquote actuality situation. Um, because, I mean, in a, in a flight simulator, the, the things you see don't, aren't meant to re- represent, aren't meant to look like a real runway, a real takeoff, things like that, meant to represent it. And so they're, you know, generally pretty low-quality graphics because that's not the point. The point is that they can change quickly based on whatever you're doing. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe it's so, better know. to have the more efficient worlds than to have accurate worlds? <laughs> I think there's some truth in that. I mean, I think about, you know, one of my, I wouldn't say earliest things with VR, but one of my earliest, like, strong VR recollections is from Neil Stephenson's Snow Crash. Um, where like characters basically go onto the internet, um, except it's a VR world, and nothing in there is is representative. It's much more um, you know people look like whatever they want to. Um, worlds aren't aren't meant to to represent the world. It's meant to represent another place. Hmm. Which is. Hmm. And, and that's less virtual reality than just a virtual world, period. Um, mm-hmm. And I wonder kind of, do you think there would be maybe a resurgence of interest in um, you know, actual virtual reality systems if they integrated them with, say, uh, MMORPGs? Um, say if there were like a VR system to go into World of Warcraft. Like, do you think folks would be interested in that? Yes. I think so. Hmm. Um, I mean, it would be, it'd be tough to, I mean, the, the key part that is, that is the problem is kind of what I said earlier is the feedback. Um, that's very, it, very true. it would be very different. It would not be very different from, you know, putting the screen next to your face and wearing headphones unless, you know, you could input things in, in a reasonable, reliable, responsible way, Re- responsive, not responsible. Be responsible, please. There's nothing responsible about World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, which we're seeing more of. Well, I, I kind of wonder um, about that. The, the tactile... is very responsive. Is a very responsive thing to motion. Like you, you shake it, things shake pretty accurately in conjunction on screen. That's true. Um, but still, we aren't seeing the sort of um, the the visual and auditory VR capabilities integrated with the Wii. No, um, it certainly has the tactile part down, or at least uh, down tactile than input, anything not it. necessarily feedback. No, that's that's for sure. And even I would say the the tactile input on the Wii is not perfect. Um, no, I mean if you've played Wii tennis <laughs> or bowling or something like that, I mean seriously, it's not. But it's better. It's not an accurate representation of that. <laughs> it's better, but yes, so- it is better than anything that's come before. Um, well, as far yeah. as accurate representation goes, like, you know, if you're playing a video game, if you have to accurately shoot someone and what would be accurate in real life, you're never going to make it through the game. You know what I'm saying? It would be too hard. The levels would be too uh, impossible. <laughs> that's a good if point. It's too reali- if it's too realistic, people aren't going to have fun. So, and like, that's, that's what I thought games, about. Like, if they were able to create a, a perfect virtual world, you would actually have to run around in it. <laughs> like, people would be stressed out because of their virtual world. Yeah. Lots of people aren't already. I mean, it would be kind of a debilitating experience, I guess. Like, I think people like being able to just press a button and be able to run across a giant field than to actually have to run across a giant field. <laughs> so perhaps that's not why the uh, 
That's why the, the really good virtual systems haven't quite gotten to that point yet. <laughs> I was just saying, ahead, is man. virtual reality going to be like, um, does it have a future in video games or does it have a future in a different area? That's what I kind of wonder about. Um, Jed, what do you think? It's more to be medical based? I think it will be more of a uh, utilitarian purpose rather than an entertainment purpose. Uh, you know, just because of those limitations y'all were mentioning earlier. Hmm. You know, thinking about what you have to do to make it work as far as. God, wow, I'm stumbling over my words, sorry. Um, you know, like if you want to have a giant open field, do you set up some sort of a giant warehouse for people to have this virtual reality experience in? Or do you have a complex set of treadmills to make that happen? That's what you I know, would it, speculate, yeah. And that's it, how we're getting into the, uh, the holodeck. Is, I mean, that's, that's the response there. Well, the holodeck is the perfect virtual reality system for sure. Yeah. But it kind well, of posits this whole, you know, photons and force fields thing that they never really explain well. <laughs> Jed kind of raises the question now is, can you get hurt in virtual reality? Because if you're running across a warehouse, you could bail out and get hurt. Or if you fall on a treadmill, then you're going to be hurt in physical reality. Sure. I mean, there, there is a, a measure of liability to it. The VR systems I've seen, like at Disney World and stuff, have very, they're like very padded so, you know, you may be standing there, like, moving around, but there's, there are rails around you with, like, big pillows on them. So you, it's really you hard to hurt VR yourself. liability insurance? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think that, though, the future is not going to be, a, you know, a VR system as we've thought of it now, you know, where you have giant goggles and, you know, a set of headphones. It has to be more realistic for your user, you know, because, yeah, because the user experience sucks right now. I mean, earlier we were talking about the, the virtual boy and, you know, it was fun and it was cool at the time, but looking back at it now, you're like, eh, it's kind of lame. And, you know, nobody wants to see little, you know, lines that if you have both eyes open and they suddenly look 3d and and pop out, you want to see something that looks like, real life and where you can you know interact with every object and things like that yeah i I agree like it's and i think that at this point the the technology just isn't there to make it look that good um certainly (laughs) graphics wise we're reaching near photorealism with things like crisis so i think i think we've we've definitely nailed that we've nailed the sound for sure Uh, dolby headphone is an extremely immersive sound system 5.1 spatial and they're working on um, not just not just a plain spatial environment but actually a uh, spherical spatial environment too so you can hear things above you and below you um, which will add another level but I think the tactile area is one that we really just haven't gotten down yet Um, the ability to feel a, a breeze or to, um, you know, warmth from the sun or something, or to, to touch an object and feel the, the texture of the surface. That's something we really, we really haven't been able to recreate yet, to my knowledge. And I, I don't think there's a desire to, um, because of the fact that the, the stuff didn't progress as fast as we expected it to, particularly yeah. in the early 90s. I'm sure there were people that said, you know, oh, virtual reality, the holodeck is 20 years away, tops. And we're about 20 years from early 90s, um, not quite, but close, and no holodeck in sight. So because of that, I don't think we've got this – the desire went away because it was right. a difficulty and something that could happen but didn't. Uh, one thing that just occurred to me that amuses me is that um, – you know, of all the potential future texts that were popular at one point in time or another, Michael Crichton never wrote a book about, about virtual reality. That's right. So maybe he kind of foresaw that it would, uh, it was sort of a fad and would die. I don't know. I mean, because a lot of the stuff he did was was pretty forward-thinking stuff. A lot of it was very off, you know, but The Terminal Man, Jurassic Park, Timeline, Prey, State of mm-hmm. Fear, Next, all of those in particular – um, look at you know technology that's just a little bit farther off, and you know around the time he did Timeline would have been a really good time. Maybe, probably a little earlier than Timeline would have been a good time to do a VR book, and he didn't. 
because perhaps he did see that it wasn't it wasn't just around the corner that it was maybe 50 yeah. or 100 years away before we really got to the point of virtual reality quite and so i kind of i kind of want to then speculate once we do get there and and i think eventually we will um there will be a, a resurgence in, in interest in virtual reality but um once we get to the point where we have a completely immersive environment, whether it's sort of a matrix-style thing where you have, you know, plug into your brainstem, or whether it's sort of a um, tactile, uh, auditory, visual fake going on, how do y'all think that will change culture? Um, for instance, you know, will people then get really immersed in MMORPGs? Will they get really immersed in, in kind of creating their own uh, perfect world and living in it? Um, or will there be kind of a backlash against that? What, what, do you, what are some scenarios that y'all envision? Let's, let's start with you, Matt. I, I thought MMOs were dying. No. No. <laughs> WoW has maybe something like maybe, 9 million players. Yeah, sure, but how long is that going to last? A See, long it's been time. Going, it's been going for over... I, mean, I, st- I played four years ago, and it's only grown since then. Yeah, but I mean, history never has anything lasting forever. Well, so, no, but MMORPGs are are an evolution of of just social gatherings. I think. Yeah, they're just another medium for people to get together and do crap together. <clears throat> sort of like team sports or something. So. Yeah, and I, you know, it might not be World of Warcraft forever, but it will be something along the same idea. I think this goes back to the, you know, something that's going to, in that genre, will always exist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a style. social medium Sorry, now. Kevin. That's okay. <laughs> so. It's a social medium. Actually, yeah, style. Um, but no, the, the MMO has become a social medium more so. The people I know that play don't play it to get super awesome characters, don't play it to get loot. At least that's not their primary reason. It's a social thing. Yeah, it's exactly. For them to get together with their friends and do something on a regular basis. I play D&D, and that's as much a social thing as it is, you know, making awesome characters to destroy dragons by yelling at them. That's just an MRPG. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not massive. It's just... No, it's, it's multiplayer. <laughs> it's, just, it's just multiplayer. It was, it was the middle M. But it's classic. Well, but uh, but getting back to the question, though, like, regardless of, of whether it's MMORPGs or something, just what implications do y'all feel for virtual reality if we, if we had those really accurate systems? Let's go, let's go to Jed. Oh, what do you think that they will be like? Well, do you see any, what sort of scenarios do you see coming about? Positive, negative, whatever. Uh, well, as I mentioned earlier, I think that there's going to be a lot of a lot of applications outside of the just purely for fun uh, type of thing that we think of virtual reality now. I think that it, you know the medical uses would be a thing to think about. Um, you know, as far as saying if we have somebody who suffered some sort of a some sort of an accident and hurt you know hurt their leg or broke their leg or tore their ACL on their knee, something like that. Um, they would be able to utilize that to, you know, work back up to doing what they did before their injury in in that sort of in a virtual way that I guess made it safer for them to not hurt hurt themselves more, if that makes sense. Right. Um, and then, you know, also thinking about one of the things that I read. Well, actually, there was a video on it in the Chronicle of Higher Education um, on how campuses are setting up tours in Second Life. So having people walk through and say, oh, well, this is this place. And, you know, they they use photos of the outsides of the buildings to try to make it more realistic. And you can, you know, fly over campus and do, you know, it adds more functionality than you would have in, say, a real life tour experience yeah. you can find out more about the history of that building or you know whatever and you can you know have have a much larger tour group if you know if there were 700 people that wanted to come and watch watch you as you toured around texas tech's campus you could very easily easily do that yeah, whereas second you, life you know, has, I, I don't know like second life has second never life been is interesting great. to me it 
well, it was Second Life was predicted to be like the next virtual world. Um, it ended up being World of Warcraft. People got that wrong, um, and now Second Life is is definitely on the the downhill. I mean, I think it it turned about two or three years ago. Um, it, it hit its peak, and now it's just it's overblown with with uh, porn, with um, people selling crap that nobody buys, with just people in there to to mess around. It's not any sort of a a coherent society as people were uh, expecting it to become. I think one thing that's interesting about Second Life. Um, sorry about the phone going off. Uh, I'll wait a second. It should stop. I'm the only one in my house right now, so like. <laughs> I, I can't answer it and still be on the show. But the interesting <laughs> thing about Second Life is, um, and I'm talking about you know virtual reality. We don't want reality that that's like what we're living. We have reality, and that be, maybe another reason why we don't have virtual reality is because we have a reality, and that's good enough if it's just like ours. But one of the first things I downloaded and played Second Life for all of a week, played is not quite the right word. You, yeah. it's not really a game. <laughs> But one of the first things that everybody gets in Second Life, just for having it, is the ability to fly. Yeah. Which, which is cool. I mean, that's, it is cool. But that's, that's an immediate thing, which, and, you know, that just shows that people don't want just what they already have if they go into a virtual world. They want something more than, better than, other than. And I think if, if we see anything in the future with VR happening again, it will be more than, better than, other than. Um, possibly to the detriment of society. Not that I think World of Warcraft has actually hurt society. No. A whole, but people are afraid that it would. I mean, if you had a, a literal world where you could do anything and it closely mimicked the world that we live in now, why would you do anything else? That's a very good point. And, and actually, it's a scenario explored in... Um, there's a certain Star Trek book where I think it was Deep Space Nine-based... Um, they basically have a planet with this facility that is entirely holodecks. So people can basically live in their own personal world all the time. Uh, the holodeck creates the food, it creates the environment, it creates everything that they need. And many of them don't ever leave these rooms. Uh, they, they live out their entire lives and die in there. Um, do you see kind of that sort of a compartmentalization of society happening where folks would either either shut themselves off completely from the world and only interact through others through um, you know, communicative medium or simply not interact with anyone whatsoever and have just this, this fantasy realm? It's possible. Um, there's, there's the, the, my sci-fi reference I go to is Better Than Life, which is an episode of and book based on Red Dwarf, the Red Dwarf series, mm-hmm. um, where everything is literally better than you want it, uh, which is pretty spiffy. Wow. And, and it, does, it, does not just, it doesn't go to your base needs. It goes to deeper needs, so you don't know exactly what you're going to get, but you will uh, be happier because of it. So uh, you're not in control of the environment. Not, not directly. You're indirectly in control. It goes to your subconscious rather than your conscious desires. Hmm. Um, what's hilarious, though, is that actually they, they get trapped in it for you know years, but they eventually get out because one of the characters hates himself and does not want himself to be happy, and this breaks the game down. Not on, not on an outward level, but on a deeper, you know, he has a true deep hatred for himself for comedic reasons because it's a comedy. And that actually causes the game to break down because it cannot make him happy. The only way to make him happy would be to make him unhappy, which doesn't make him happy. You know, infinite loop, bad, and it breaks down, which (laughs) is really funny because he ruined it for everybody else. But I'm sure there would be safeguards for that sort of thing. Yeah, but but it was a comedy. Um, But um, I mean, that's it's not something that is impossible. However, I can't really see human interaction going away completely. I'm, I guess I'm too much of an optimist for that. No. Um, if, if that were the case, if future technology was all it would take to, to reduce that, theater would be completely dead. Hmm. Which it's not. You know, I'm, I'm living proof of that. I write plays. 
and I write plays because people watch plays. Because there's something inherently different about a live production, whether or not it's accurately represented, um, which generally live theater isn't, you know, 100% accurate. We know that going into it. We accept that. But we choose it over movies and TV in certain cases because it is live, because there is actual human interaction going on there that you could, you know, walk up on stage and hit somebody. You don't because <laughs> you get in trouble. But you could, and that exists. And so World of Warcraft doesn't take that away. Well, and I think it's at, at this point... But it isn't necessarily better than... Yeah. And I think at this point we're, we're still very far away from actually encountering the question in, a, in any sort of a, a tangible way. I mean, we can speculate, you know, Matrix worlds and holodecks and such, but really we're a few generations away from that, if not more. And so I think at this point what we've got to look at is, is in what ways are we sort of, um, are we sort of living in virtual realities already? I mean, I, th- I certainly think Facebook is a good example of this. Um, it's sort of a, an environment, a world, if you will, where you can kind of, um, you're interacting with real people, but you're sort of in a, a world that you craft, I mean, your profile, the pictures that you post, the videos that you post, those are all completely up to you. And you can essentially live as anyone. Now, people choose to to kind of use their own personalities because they interact with folks that they know. But, um, I mean, have you ever considered creating a Facebook profile for a completely fictitious person? I've done that. I've done that. And, you know, what... uh, what implications would that have, you know, uh, to, to just completely to live a life of, of a, a completely fake personality? <laughs> well, let me clarify what I said. I, did, I didn't create it, but some of my friends that I was with, we were discussing how it would be funny if, you know, a few of our teachers that didn't have Facebooks all of a sudden would have a Facebook. And so, you know, a couple of the guys that were not very tech savvy all of a sudden were friends with the entire school. And when they found out about it, they weren't too happy. <laughs> that, that's, well, that's, that's, how my that's not good. <laughs> but that's, that's actually crazy. how my Facebook was created. <laughs> really? Gave, that's pretty funny. I was going to say that's a non-fictitious character. So it's well, kind yeah, of, yeah. right. But it's a it it was a representation of a real person. No, Jed. What did you? What were you saying? Oh, um, I, for a long time, and it's really funny to me now. Is integrated with social networking as I am. I was just not on Facebook because you know. At first it was because I, I don't know, I just didn't want to be on it because it didn't seem like it had a point. This was back in the early days when it was still, the URL was still the Facebook. Uh. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but there's there were a lot of people who were like, oh, you should just join it. You know, you can look at pictures and all this stuff. And I was just like, ah, I don't want to waste my time because I saw everyone doing that. Um, you know, I mean, you Almost everyone I know that has spent, you know, at least just an hour on Facebook looking at stuff and not doing anything productive. And that was very much at a time in my life when I needed to be productive. Mm. Um, and so an ex-girlfriend of mine and uh, actually Sean at UNC Barrow 8, <laughs> um, I'm going to call him out, created it for me and, you know, made my profile and the ex-girlfriend still knew my email password for some reason and all that. So they, they made a profile for me and set it up and, you know, found a horrible picture. But before that, there were actually, I think, one or two groups on Facebook that are probably still there. And I'm probably still a member of them that were trying to get people on there to get me to join Facebook. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my so it's- Facebook that's a great story, Jed. Thank you. I tell the party sometimes. It's good. It's good. Probably gets you a lot of free drinks. Yeah, that's no, a good one to, to pull out later in the evening. Well, you'll be happy to know I just did a search, and I, I can't find any groups still on Facebook related to getting you to join. So okay. those have apparently gone away. <laughs> it's finally dead. Yeah. Well, I let's. I, I guess this is kind of getting beyond this, the scope of the initial thing, but... Uh, it, in the very bad philosophy, it's bad philosophy. We do that. Um, in the very I hope near there is future, one. Hmm? 
there is one, and it's got a picture of Jed with long hair, and it's kind of frightening because he's also oh, wearing what? a. Uh, what? Uh, he's got longer hair and one of those shell necklaces that those guys mm-hmm. wear. The puka shells. Yeah. Yep. You need to post the link in the chat, man. So, uh, back to the uh, title of our episode. Are we still going with the future here? Well, yeah. So let's say, you know, 10 years in the future, do y'all see things being just about the same, or do you see more or less virtual reality? Even in Lubbock, Texas right now, home automation is exploding. So if there's a way to integrate virtual reality with the physical world in a sense where you can use your thoughts to then have you be the input to a computer, then all of a sudden you have this whole new world opened up to you where, you know, you walk into your room, you think it's too hot, and so, um, you know, you just, then the, the AC turns on for you. That would be nice. <laughs> that would be freaky. That would be like... Uh, I don't want that to happen. Do you really want that level of input, though? I mean, do you want somebody else to walk into the room and be able to, you know, if you're real warm and the other person's not, you know, do you want <laughs> them to... Really fast. Yeah. <laughs> Starts to... They- that goes from good to evil really quick. Yeah. And that's, philosophically, that's really the, the direction that most of these VR scenarios go is it, it's just, initially it'll be really cool for people, and then it'll go to hell in a handbasket, and you get the Matrix. <laughs> uh, you get machines taking over, and people living in a world that they don't realize that they're living in, and I, I don't know. I, I tend to be more of an optimist when it comes to this, because... Everyone had doomsday scenarios for the internet. You know, the internet was going to destroy society, and, you know, it's actually turned out kind of all right, I think. I don't think it's destroyed society. (laughs) I think it's just enhanced society, and I think an an extremely accurate virtual reality world, um, if it's, you know, tied in with the internet as well, would, uh, would do the same. It would sort of enhance our, the interactions that we've always done as a species. The old stuff doesn't go away. Right. Um, we we look at stuff like we've got newspapers dying right now. Um, we when we talk, we've talked about this on the show, I think, about how newspapers are just going to go away and never be seen again. I don't even think that's ever going to be the case. I think they change. Um, theater used to be the social event of the world. Um, you went to plays not to see whatever was on, but to see what to see who else was at the play and to be seen at the play. Um, that's not what we do theater for anymore. We, we've changed the purpose of it, but it still exists. I mean, now you get on Facebook to be seen. You get on Twitter to be seen or to see others, not theater. Um, so you where your new, friends are. A new place has changed. You know, a new thing has arised. If, you know, the, we live in a world with only Facebook and theater. Facebook came to, to change, and, and it could do something better than what Facebook could or no facebook could do something better than what theater could yeah so theater will succeed by doing things facebook can't um and and this is this is something that doctoro has talked about and i can't believe i just thought of this but he's got a book called content which is a collection of um, essays and speeches he's given and he says you know they succeed where books don't you know ebooks he talks about a lot ebooks succeed where normal books don't and normal books succeed where ebooks can't Yes, that's how new technology works, and they don't—they're not going to go away. Um, books are not going to go away. However, eBooks do things that books can't do, and they do them extremely well, and thus eBooks will become successful if if people will embrace the fact that they're not books and aren't trying to do what books do well. They're trying to do what books do poorly well. And following that analogy, I believe that virtual reality could do things that are these normal interactive media that we have, even Facebook. And, and such can't um, like you know really bring that the feeling of interacting with another person uh, across great distances maybe across on the other end of the world um, could really bring that to you yeah I mean you could say if you have a really good virtual reality chat system for instance you could actually carry on a conversation with a person as if they were in the room um, and this is something that the internet has not been able to replicate with even with web chats um, mm or with World of Warcraft or whatever, Second Life, um, if, if that were ever able to be replicated, uh, say with a holographic image or with a virtual reality system, I think it could have an incredible boon for, say, you know, business travelers having to leave their families, you know, being able to communicate back from Japan to the United States. 
would just be invaluable. Um, and I think those positive uh, possibilities for virtual reality are really what are going to what are going to bring it to the forefront. But uh, again, the technology is just not there yet. What company is it that's doing the uh, the virtual meetings where they've got the big like plasmas on one side of the table and then the, like one you know office sits on the other side of the table and then they can have a conference call with another office and it appears as if they're sitting on the other side of the table? Is that Cisco or who is that? Um, I you know do what I'm talking know. about though, right? I think I've seen that, but that's uh, that's not the same. Well, it's, it's sort so of virtual reality. They said. They can roll a ball towards you, and you'll reach out to try to catch it on the table because you'll think that it's coming across the table to you. I doubt that. I ha- it's still a screen. I mean, the dimensionality is not there. You would you would know. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. perspective and things like that are just not involved. Um, but, you know, we're, we're getting there. I think we want to have that experience. It's not like people don't want to be able to do this, but the technology just isn't, it isn't there yet. It's it, we're we're twenty thirty years away still I think that long possibly you think yeah yeah I, I really think so I you know whenever people make these you know wild optimistic predictions about technological advancement I think they're pretty naive um, the singularity is not coming <laughs> you know we're advancing really fast in some areas but we're advancing really slow in others and singularity is coming it's just not near no um, the future is a lot farther away than we'd like to think. But, yeah, we'll get here when it gets here. Would you like to define the singularity for those? Have we never actually defined that? We've talked about this before, and I've never actually defined it. I know that we have. I don't know. Jed, Kevin, do you want to flip a coin? Kevin could probably do a much better job than I could, given how much more... uh, He's right on it. the subject. Yeah, and plus, <laughs> right. plus you're just a much better talker. Go for it, oh, Kevin. Thank you. Uh, Singularity was originally posited by somebody. Um, check Wikipedia if you really Ray care. Ray Kurzweil, right? Sure. I'm pretty sure it was Ray Kurzweil. Um, the Singularity is a thing that is talked about in various forms of fiction. We could say Ray Kurzweil started I don't really care. But... It's an idea that there comes a point where um, a a civilization or not civilization technology comes to the point where it can simulate hum- the human mind and that the mind and technology become interchangeable. Um, artificial intelligence surpasses actual intelligence, and we can upload our brain into bodies. Dollhouse deals with this a lot into things. We can become part of a think space. Um, they become interchangeable, and it really changes the way everything works. Um, Cory Doctorow has done some singularity fiction in his uh, shorter fiction. I, Robot is a good example of post-singularity fiction. Um, and there's, there's been a countless others, but it's, you know, yeah, Ray Kurzweil um, talked about it. Uh, and theoretically, Moore's Law is... Yeah, I'm reading the... Uh, the towards that. The Wikipedia article here, it's... Technological singularity, um, the theoretical future point which takes place during a period of accelerating change sometime after the creation of a superintelligence, an intelligence explosion. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the idea that, that we will become better than ourselves through technology right. rather than evolution. Um, so we will, become, we will make ourselves smarter through, through technology Rather than through you know random chance mutations, but making ourselves better, uh, and then it'll just take off. I mean, the idea is that and it, it, and that it will just, become uncontrollable. Right. Not that you know robots will kill us, but that we will become robots and make zillions of ourselves. And and Dollhouse actually, not, I know we don't talk too much about it, deals with a world that is very near the singularity, mm-hmm. um, near the point where we've got technology where we can upload you into a computer. And download you into a body. That's that is what the singularity is all about. And that when that technology exists, we will be right at the edge of singularity, and all the crazy awesome that will happen afterwards. Bitch in society. Yeah, bitch in society. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't. I thought. I think VR would definitely be a part of singularity, uh, a singularity world or a post singularity world, but. I don't think that's going to be a major contributor to getting us there. I think it's it's very much an evolution of the current media of interaction that we have. 
but it's going to take something else to, to get us beyond that point. I think more of the singularity will actually be the, uh, you know, the hyper-connectedness that we have going on. Mm-hmm. You know, just the fact that even at the beginning of the show, my desktop computer instance of Skype failed, and then I had my iPhone to back it up, you know, within a few minutes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, you know, just being in and, and the fact that you can, you know, be available almost all the time. I think that's another big part of the, you know, at least the sing- singularity fiction, post singularity fiction that I've read, which is mostly yeah. Cory Doctorow. Thanks to Kevin. Um, <laughs> I do what I can. But, yeah. But, you know, just having, having that ability to, you know, look up whatever you want, wherever you want. And, you know, it's the combination, I would say, of having an iPhone with a data plan and having Wikipedia. Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, looking at, I, I think there have been a few um, XKCD comics, and I, I know there's... No, actually, I was thinking the same thing. On the, but... the, the Kindle being the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. You know, yeah. That being what the Amazon Kindle is, is you know it's a small bookish-like thing that runs that's runs on electricity and has a data plan and can be can access Wikipedia and there you go you have knowledge the entire about knowledge yeah. of the Everything. human race at your fingertips yeah yeah actually if I were to get a Kindle which I'm I'm not sold yet but I've considered I would like get a, a stencil or something and spray paint don't panic on the front of the cover <laughs> yes. just because that would be awesome. <laughs> I'm waiting for the Jesus device. I'm waiting for the uh for the 9-inch Mac tablet. Why do they call okay. it the Jesus device? Yeah. That's that... Because it would be it would be a replacement for a computer because you could use you could have a keyboard on it. Um you could carry it anywhere. It would be always connected netbook style. And full touchscreen, all you know, applications, whatever, multi-touch. It would be the only device you would need, essentially. Just like Jesus. Yeah, because yeah, he's all you need. It's in fact a replacement for <laughs> Jesus for Stephen. So. Fair enough. When you explain it's it that way, it makes perfect sense. I have the Bible it's funny because it's true. Second. No, it's getting. No, there. it doesn't. <laughs> Well, I think we'll go ahead and wrap things up here, um, mainly because my folks have almost gotten dinner ready on the table. So, uh, Ooh, dinner. you know, when there's when there is food in sight, um, that's that's a good reason for <laughs> me to wrap things up. I change my I am coming over tonight. Actually, <laughs> it's too late, man. <laughs> too late. Sorry, there's not enough for you. <laughs> but uh, I've really enjoyed this discussion on virtual reality with y'all. Um, I think it's safe to say that uh, we like living in the future, and we're we're it's looking good. forward to to living in the the next future because <laughs> it will be the future soon i think apple's gonna release oh, some vr device at wwdc this year yeah i, I think so they're gonna come out with the holodeck steve jobs is gonna walk out and say we've done it people we have invented the holodeck that's and it steve jobs can die cry. and live in virtual reality yep well so if we, we get have... the singularity by the time jobs dies we can yep perfect it's just a little while away. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, thank our panelists here. Um, Kevin Saunders, thanks for coming on the show. Do what I can. Just, uh, man, silence your phone. Turn off your phone, Kevin. <laughs> that one's not mine. If any of y'all are curious, um, Kevin and I will be performing on stage with Jonathan Colton uh, two nights from now. At, By the way, uh, I wanted to congratulate you about that. Yes. Um, I, Kevin and I have done um, sign language videos online, and I will post a, uh, a link, actually. But yes, Jonathan Colton has invited us to perform on stage with him at the Dallas show on Wednesday night. So we will have an awesome time and hopefully record a video of it and share it with y'all. You can follow Kevin Saunders on Twitter at KevSond. Uh, you can also follow Matt Legler at at Legmar. Thanks for being here, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. And you can follow Jed at Linux, L-I-N-N-I-X. And you can follow me at S Torrence, S-T-O-R-R-E-N-C-E. Jed, thank you for being on the show. We love having you. Numero uno fanboy as you are. (laughs) I try. And I'm actually, uh, speaking of fanboy, I am creating a Wikipedia article for y'all right now. Oh, excellent. Yeah. 
Dude, that's gonna be dropped in like two seconds. I don't think so. I've had we, some. I've had some less obscure things stay, or more obscure really? things stay. Huh. We will, well, we'll see how it. Uh, we'll see how it turns out. <laughs> well, that's all the. Uh, that's all the time we have here on Bad Philosophy. So we will see y'all next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, Julie. Hey, Julie. What's up, Julie? Hello. This is Kevin, Stephen, and Matt. We're recording Bad Philosophy. Oh, you are? Uh, we know it's I'll early see. over there, but wanna... we wanted to say hi. Oh, that's really nice. <laughs> <laughs> you, you probably have a lot of stuff to do, though, right? Uh, no, not... Well, actually, I'm on my way to elementary school and I left my wallet in my dorm so I'm having to go back oh fail oh, yeah so I can't get to school without it <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of necessary well okay so I guess now's not necessarily the best time to have you on the show <laughs> yeah I would well, be on this show if it was like not Tuesday. <laughs> Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, hey, um, why, don't, why don't we uh, why don't we just do a rain check for now? I'll keep you on my Skype list, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be in touch about some time to have you on. Okay, that'd be fine. Um, that's really funny because it's definitely raining today here too. <laughs> so I will have to take a rain check. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'll be in touch, Julie. Hey, have have a good day at school. Okay, we miss you, Julie. I miss you too. Bye. Okay, bye. That was cool. <laughs> Isn't the future awesome? This is the, I we just called somebody in Korea. All four of us. Three of us. That's that's awesome. It's gonna be the future soon. I won't always be this way. When the things that make me weak and strange get engineered away. It's gonna be the future soon. I've never seen it quite so clear. When my heart is breaking, I can close my eyes. It's already here. Bad Philosophy is brought to you by Skype Out and by Apple. Check out their offers through the affiliate section of our website. Badphilosophy.com Shut it up.